Hi and welcome to the Mount Hamilton Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. For more information, go to mhbc.ca. Good morning. Um, This morning I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 26. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that it lacked it, so that it should be no division so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Thank you, Mariah. So I have called this sermon a title that made Andy giggle every time he saw it this week. This sermon is called Spanx Church. Let me explain. So I'm going to start by talking about uh, Spanx. How many of you are familiar with Spanx and want to admit it? <laughs> it definitely leans to the female side here. So if you don't know, I'll tell you what Spanx are. I couldn't find a picture of them being worn that was appropriate to show in church. But Spanx... <laughs> Spanx are basically a modern form of a girdle. What's a girdle? Some of you might ask. Um, Basically, they're kind of like tall shorts that are meant to uh, suck in all the jiggly bits you don't want to draw too much attention to. So they're designed to keep your tummy a little bit flat, a little bit smooth, so that if you're wearing that tight dress or something that you don't want to draw too much attention to that, keeps it looking nice and smooth. Now, there's actually quite a Spanx... uh, powerhouse going on. If you look at the next slide, there's also, you see there's some Spanx tights there. The second one are Spanx for pregnancy. A bit confused about that. Not sure that's going to work. Unless we think this is just for women, there are also Spanx for men. That is a Spanx men's shirt designed to keep the waist looking narrow. The whole point of Spanx is that we're trying to hide something in our body, right? We don't want certain parts to be noticed. We want them covered, kept out of sight. Maybe you don't wear Spanx. Maybe you've never even heard of it. But you've probably heard of other ways we try to hide our body. We go on diets. We wear flattering clothes. Some people have even do plastic surgery or Botox. There's lots of ways we want to try to hide our body parts. And if I went around this room, 
I can say with 100% confidence that every one of you would be able to tell me a body part that you try to hide in your body or you tried to hide throughout your life. Maybe for some of you, it's a body part that causes a lot of difficulty. Maybe you have a bad hip or a bad knee or a bad back and you've been a bit resentful of that body part for a while. Maybe it's just something you've never liked the look of. You were born with crooked teeth or frizzy hair or that five pounds that you never seem to want to get rid of. I think there's all things that we say, I don't really love all of my body. There's parts that if I could buy a quick little Spanx item for, I'd love to use it. Which is why I think it's interesting in today's culture to talk about the church, to talk about us, to talk about the family of God as being like the body of Christ may not always be a positive thing for some of us. Not all of us like our bodies. Almost all of I think all of us have parts of our body we don't like. And yet here we are in scripture with God saying, let me tell you what the church is like. The church is like a body, which is really interesting. And it uses this description to describe the idea that we all work together and that we all have a part and that we all belong and we all have different uses. And in the passage that you heard Mariah read, it gets into some uh, detail about that. It says, like, you're the body of Christ. And then it talks about how it says, you know, for that reason, if the ear should say, I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't stop being part of the body. And if the whole, because if, if the whole body were an eye, where would hearing be? And it goes through these analogies. So the first thing that this passage says is, don't shun or overlook your role in the body. Now, we've been talking about spiritual gifts. If you've been here, some of you are new, but we've been talking for a few weeks about the different ways God has made us. And as we've talked about that, I hope that you've heard this message a lot, which is that how God has made you is important, which is that you belong which is that we don't want you to look at other people and say, I wish I was like them, I'm an eye, but I wish it was an ear, I'm a hand, but I wish I was a foot, that you can use your gifts and you belong in the body and we need all of you. But today we're going to look a little bit more at the second part that Mariah read for us, starting in verse 21. And this is where it takes a bit of a different stance. And then it says, in the same way, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The things that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. So it also in this passage points out this other call, which is that we shouldn't shun other parts of the body. And I think that in the church here at Mount Hamilton, in every church I've ever been in, in the church at large in the whole world, we actually sometimes treat the body of Christ like we treat our own bodies, and that is that we want to put spanks on it. You with me? We want to hide it. Maybe we'd like to Botox it a little. Maybe we'd like to hide it behind a big skirt or puffy jacket. We'd like to be able to cover up certain parts of our body. We hide it. We don't use it. Now, to be clear, I think sometimes this isn't intentional. There are lots of ways that we kind of, for lack of a term, I'm turning it into a verb here, like we spank certain parts of the body of Christ, not because we even mean to, not because we don't care about them. Sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's quite inadvertent. And today, as we get near the end of our time talking about what it means to live in our gifts, I thought it would be important to talk about this image of the body and how we actually also honor all of our body parts, not just our own gifts, but also the gifts of others. 
And I'm going to talk about uh, three kind of categories that I think sometimes we struggle to include. And you can see if you see yourself in this, see us in this. And there's lots more I could look at, but we're going to talk about three. And the first one, in honor of the CBOQ National Day of Prayer, is children and the next generation. And you'll see the next one coming up is new people. So children and the next generation, we sometimes struggle to really include in our body. Now, if you come to Mount Hamilton, you might think, I don't really see that here. And it is true that this church loves its children, loves its teenagers, always has ever since I've been here. It's always been an important part of the ministry here at Mount Hamilton. You can see that we make lots of space and we love them, but I would invite us to think about what it really means to see children and young people as truly part of the body. Um, sometimes with children, although we would never say we don't want you or we don't care about you, sometimes we do find a younger generation to be inconveniencing. Sometimes we sort of try to cover them in the sense that we presume that their opinions matter a bit less than ours, or that in some way this is the real church and what happens out there is childcare so that we can do real church in here. Sometimes with our younger generation, we treat them almost like they're people there just to serve us doing our thing, right? You know, um, maybe we could just get the youth group to do that. That is, that is the go-to statement in so many... Let's get the youth group to do it. It could be anything from helping somebody move to setting up chairs to serving at a dinner. It's always... Maybe the youth could do it instead of really thinking about how... Our, what about if we're all in this together? And it's so important that a generation feels connected to a church, in a study that happened a few years ago that was called Hemorrhaging Faith, I quote this study a lot, and the study found that there were so many that were leaving church, and that's, that was a lot that they'd grown up in church and then they would leave, so that was the line, they were hemorrhaging faith, faith was like bleeding out. And they examined uh, the commonalities of those who stayed in church, those who'd grown up in church and then actually stayed committed disciples of Jesus. And they found four commonalities, uh, things that are important in our youth ministry. One of those was the ability for youth to ask good, real questions and have them engaged. Another was that their parents, mod actually the biggest one was their parents modeling and teaching them about faith. Another was that um, they felt, what was the I'm missing one all of a sudden now, uh, that they'd had a genuine experience of feeling God in their lives. And another, which I think speaks to what I'm saying today, is that they felt part of their church community. So they didn't just feel like they were served, but they were actually part of the church. They had real relationships within their church. Um, and so that's why, as a church, in our effort not to spank our children, notice the X there, not spank, uh, we are very intentional I think about how we do that, and that's one of the reasons that the kids stay in here to worship with us and have that time with us, because we are all the church, and we are all part of the body of Christ, and we want everyone to worship together and experience God together. It's why throughout the year, we intentionally, in case you, when we have those all-ages service, it's not just because we don't have Sunday school teachers. It's because we actually are quite intentional that we want our body to worship together. I'd been here about six months, and at the time we had a teen Sunday school class, and the, the leader of the teen Sunday school class uh, was sick, and so we had to cancel the class. And so I said to this like 14-year-old, they went out, and I said, I'm so sorry, there's no class today. And one of them went, but I can't go in there. I can't go in there. I talked to them more. I realized that at 14, she'd never sat in a church service. 
that was a problem, right? And we said, oh, we maybe need to address that, that our, our sense of just saying, how do we serve you and make you happy, make you content, is not the same as actually making you part of our church. Um, so that's important to us. And so I want us to remember that what's happening over there, where there's almost as many people as there are in here, <laughs> is still the church. And I've already said it today. They're not going to be the church. Our children and young people are already the church. They're part, amen, right? They're part of the body of Christ. So let's keep it up. Another uh, place that we can sometimes struggle, um, and I invite you to just see yourself in this or see our church or see others again, is with people who are new to our body. Now, if you've ever had a new body part added, you know that can be hard. Some of you are like, how do you add new body parts? Maybe you've had a hip replacement, right? Maybe some of you had a knee replacement. Was it an adjustment? It's an adjustment. Even if you get like nail extensions or hair extensions, that can take getting used to, am I right? Yeah. In the same way, when new people become part of a body, it can take getting used to. You know, we are a very unique church. We are 97 years old next week. But let me show you some other stats. And I did this loosely. I went through, and it's going to come on the next slide. I did this uh, this week, and I was very conscious of people who actually attend the church. Of the adults, adults only, just adults, who attend Mount Hamilton, 75% of you have been here less than 10 years. That's pretty significant. Of when you add children, because they're under 18, 81% of our church has been here less than 10 years. The adults who have attended less than two years are 18%. Adults who have attended more than 20 are 12%. So you're more likely to have been here less than two than more than 20. That's really interesting. And that's exciting, isn't it? Aren't we thankful for that? It's really, I praise God for that. And I'm so thankful for the legacy of those more than 20s that have laid this foundation that now we're a church where 81% of us can say we have come in the last number of years, and a big portion of those are new followers of Jesus. Praise God. But it can be hard when you're part of the 12. (laughs) When you're part of the 20, that isn't, right? It's hard to notice that things have changed. And we can find it hard to genuinely make space for new people. And making space for new people isn't smiling and welcoming them only on a Sunday morning. It's making space for new ideas, It's realizing that sometimes ministries and things that we do change. It's realizing that they may lead in ways that we wouldn't have led or thought we should have led or some of the things that we um, feel are really, really important to us. There may be new things that come in that are important because our body is always changing, and that's a good thing. The question is how do we continue to make space for new voices and new faces and new people in a tangible way that we're not just like, oh, it's great to have you here, but that actually they say I'm part of the body. And if you think this is an issue, not an issue, say no, that doesn't happen. Let me tell you a little story. I was at a pastor's conference once, and I got talking to this pastor, and he was so discouraged. He said, I I actually think I'm going to resign this week. And then he told me what had happened that past Sunday. He said, I started at this church that I'm at now, four or five years ago, and at the time it was an aging congregation, everyone there over 70, but they were so eager to see a new generation, like so many churches, right? They didn't want to shut down or die. And so they had actually, as a church, really intentionally reached out and done things to reach out to the community, and they had been uh, successful, and they'd had several young families join the church. It was wonderful. So now this church had some new life, it had children for the first time, and many generations of people were excited. But it also meant that there were changes. 
It meant that sometimes they wanted to get involved and they were leading in new ways and doing new things. And he said that Sunday, this pastor who was planning to resign, he said, you know, I was at a meeting this Sunday of our church, Baptist church like this, so they'd had a business meeting. And he said, and one of our long-term members got up, pillar of the church, someone everyone loved, and he said this. He said, I want to just speak on behalf of those of us who've been here a long time to all our new families. I want to thank you so much for coming. Thank you for bringing your children. Thank you so much. We love seeing children in this sanctuary again. Please keep doing that. But could you please get a little less involved now? We don't like all the stuff you're doing. And that afternoon, all the families had gone to the pastor and said, clearly we're not wanted here. I guess we're going to leave. Now, I cannot fathom that happening here at Mount Hamilton, truthfully. But, you know, having new people isn't just like it's so nice to see your children, right? And so this is going to be a constant growing for us as we see more God bring new and more people to us. And we'll be invited to consider what it means to make space in our hearts and our lives and our church and our leadership and our decisions for people of all the generations from the 12%, 20 years gone, to the new 18%. It's quite striking. Now, the last one is maybe the hardest one. I think this is probably the hardest one, and that's um, the difficult people. I put difficult in quotations because the thing is, everyone has different, different difficult people, right? Who you find difficult for you, someone else is like, they're my best friend. And who someone else might find difficult, you might say, oh, I, they've never bothered me. We all find different people hard to engage. It could be that they're difficult because their lives are messy and we don't want to engage in the mess. It could be that they think differently than us politically, theologically. It could be that they're just grouchy and that irritates us. And we don't necessarily want to be lumped with those difficult people. We don't want them to be part of the body in the same way that we don't like it when we have the back that causes us pain or the foot that's always aggravating us, right? Sometimes those people feel like that thing that's just causing us agony. And it can be really hard in a church to feel like we are now somehow in a body with people that in any other context we probably wouldn't even talk to. We'd have no relationship with them, and yet now here we're told that we have to love them, but sometimes we'd rather put some spanks over them, am I right? <laughs> Maybe a little Botox. The interesting thing as we go beyond this, I struggle with this so much um, outside of just even immediate congregation when I look around the world, right? And I see so many Christians and I'm like, oh my goodness, please tell me we won't have to hang out in heaven. Like, I don't know if you've... <sighs> this, <laughs> this week... A friend of mine from high school sent me a Facebook message. He said, Leanne, I want to ask you a question. You're an evangelical Christian. He said, um, I've been watching this, you know, that's happening in the border to the south, you know, where these migrant families are coming in, and I'm just so confused. You know, Christians, Christmas is coming up. You talk about welcoming Jesus who had nowhere to go, and yet I feel like the Christians would be just fine if it was announced that they were going to kill everyone at the border instead of letting them in. Can you tell me why Christians think that? Can you tell me why Christians think that? <laughs> oh, and they're part of my body, right? Dang it. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, it made me think of something that happened to me when I worked at camp many years ago. 
a story that went down in infamy. And there was this sweet little boy named Kenneth. And one night, uh, he'd gone to bed, and he'd actually got, sorry, this is a bit of a gross story, but he'd gotten sick while he was asleep. So the person noted, the counselor noticed that his sleeping bag, sadly, was full of vomit in his face. And so she woke him up, and she said, Kenneth, I'm so sorry, honey, like, you've gotten sick, we've got to wake you up. And he woke up, and this is the thing that became famous. Kenneth, with vomit on his face, down his shirt, went, I didn't do that. <laughs> Somebody put that there. That was our other favorite line. Somebody put that there. So there's vomit literally on his face. Somebody put that there. I didn't do that. That's not part of my body, even though it's physically attached to you, <laughs> came out of you. And I got to tell you, sometimes I feel like the vomit that Christians put out, I just want to go, I didn't do that. That ain't part of my body. Anyone else? <laughs> right? Just looks like there's vomit everywhere. I didn't do that. And yet they're part of our body. And it can be hard when it's people that are difficult, especially, to know what it means to love and care in that place. What do we do? The interesting thing is when we keep reading in 1 Corinthians 12, if you, keep, if you get to that right where Mariah stopped off, this is the next part of that passage in chapter 13. And it says, you know, and it says, I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but to not possess love, I have, and, and do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, kind, it does not envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always preserves, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there is knowledge, where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And then he goes on to say, uh, now I know in part, then I shall know fully. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So after Paul has written and he said, you know, your body is all different parts, and sometimes you're going to want to be like, I don't need you, I don't need you, I don't like your part of the body, I want to hide you, I want to spank you, I want to cover you. He's like, and so then let me remind you about love. Now you should love each other and love each other deeply. <laughs> and so somehow we find a way to love. How do we get through? How do we get to the next thing with people that are difficult or different or new? We love them with love that only Christ could put in us even as we disagree, even when it feels like there's vomit all over us. When we want to say, you know, I don't need you, I don't want you, I don't care about you, I want to spank you, I want to cover you, uh, it's just not how we work. And as we think about gifts and what the gifts means, and we've talked about all these different ways we're gifted, my invitation is to ask, how will you make space to love and care for all the parts of your body that you may want to cover up or may not like much? that you may feel like are making you have more aches and pains than joy? Who do you struggle with the most? Right here in this community, don't say it out loud. <laughs> Maybe there's a few people. Which of those that I said that you're like, actually, I really do find that hard. It's challenging for me. So many times, uh, the world's attitude really is to spank it, right? To say, cover it up, get rid of it. You don't have to hang out with them, unfriend them, get rid of them. Oh, it's over. And yet, we are called to say, oh, 
here you are. And it's actually a beautiful thing. I can't think of another place in the world where I would get to hang out with all of you, <laughs> where I would hang, have genuine, real, loving relationships with people of so many different generations, different backgrounds, different understandings, and I would say, not only are these people I know, but they're part of my family, and I love them. Um, if you've ever worn Spanx, I have. Some of you will agree that the best feeling in the world, and I'll get a minute of this, is when you take them off. Am I right? There is no, some of you realize there's no better feeling you get home and you peel it on down. You're like, oh, I'm free. And I think that that's actually what the church is meant to be. Like, we peel it off. We peel off all the stuff we're trying to hide. And it actually is really good. And it's true that we're a little bumpier, messier, maybe not as quite as attractive to everyone else. And we're like, here we are, bumps and jiggly bits and all. <laughs> and we are the body of Christ. And it is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I once heard a friend say, I've been trying to lose the same five pounds for 40 years. Anyone else? Some of, it took you a minute to get that. You've been trying to use the same five pounds for 40 years? Sometimes we just realize that as a church, we spend all this time trying to lose the same five pounds, trying to cover the same thing up, when actually what we're invited to do is say, here we are. We are a body, and we love each other, and we love each other as we use our different gifts. We love each other as we're different. We love each other when sometimes our lives are messy and complicated. We love each other across all different generations, across all different backgrounds, because we are a body, because we need each other, and it is actually a beautiful body. I'm going to invite you to take a minute and think again of that person or people or whole, whatever it may be for you, that you're like having a hard time with them. Kind of would like it if I could inject some Botox there or get a little makeup to tidy it up. Kind of want to say that vomit's not mine. Let's pause. And uh, the way I believe we start by making space to love someone is by praying for them. So if you're wondering where you start to love someone you don't love, you pray for them. Pray for them now. <laughs> 